check, mic check, one, two, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, welcome. Can everyone hear me in the in the room? Yes? Great. Okay. Okay. Alright. Okay, so yes, welcome to the first annual Boring Blockchain Conference. This is a new event that uh, myself and several other blockchain enthusiasts um, plan on hosting each and every year. And the goal here is simple. Discuss cutting-edge blockchain happenings in a boring way. Why in a boring way? Because we believe our niche in this space is to just go ahead and tone it down. Have you noticed how at every big technology conference, they hype it up with the big stage and the music and the confetti and the big named hosts and presentations and loud music and all that? You know, they just hit you with that energy and that ambiance of just everything over the top and excitement. Well, we want our niche to be the exact opposite. That's where we want to be. We want to go against the grain and stick it out um, differently. And that's what this conference is. That's why right now it's totally quiet. Yes, if you look around you, it's almost as if you're the only person attending this conference right now. Some say it's boring. Some say it's just maybe an intimate environment. Okay. Again, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. On today's agenda for the boring blockchain conference we have a couple topics and here's how we're going to break them down number one blockchain an overview of what the technology is number two blockchain applications what is possible on the blockchain number three nfts what are they what is their relationship to the blockchain and why are they so hot right now not just in technology and blockchain spaces but sort of in the public eye as well. And lastly, number four, you'll want to stick around here because at the end there's also a very special announcement and how you can get your hands on some very exclusive NFTs. So consider this your opportunity to get in on um, new technology and a piece of art. Um, it's basically technology and art mixed into one and you kind of get first dibs on um, getting it if you're interested. So, hopefully it's worth your time. All right, number one, first topic, blockchain. A brief overview of what the technology is. I'm sure many of you know, but, you know, this is the boring blockchain conference, so after all, we have to go over some of this. A blockchain is a growing list of records called blocks that are linked together using cryptography. Each block contains a cryptographic hash of the previous block, a timestamp, and transaction data, generally represented as a um, Merkle tree. I mean, I've heard that phrase many times, and I have no idea if I'm saying it right or not. The timestamp proves that the transaction data existed when the block was published in order to get info into its hash. As blocks uh, each contain information about the block previous to it, they form a chain, with each additional block 
reinforcing the ones before it. Therefore, blockchains are resistant to modifications of their data because once recorded, the data in any given block cannot be altered retroactively without altering all subsequent blocks. Blockchains are typically managed by a peer-to-peer -peer network for use as a publicly distributed ledger where uh, nodes collectively adhere to protocol to communicate and validate new blocks. Although blockchain records are not um, unalterable as forks are possible, blockchains may be considered secure by design and exemplify a distributed computing system with um, basically a, an extremely high level of security. The blockchain was invented by a person or a group of people using the name Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008 to serve as the public transaction ledger for the cryptocurrency Bitcoin, you know, what is still today the very largest and most well-known um, cryptocurrency, which we will get into shortly. The identity of Satoshi remains unknown to date. The invention of blockchain for Bitcoin made it the first digital currency to solve the double spending problem without the need or trust of an authority or a central server. The Bitcoin design has inspired other applications and blockchains that are uh, readable by the public and are widely used uh, by cryptocurrencies. The blockchain is considered a type of payment rail Private blockchains have been proposed by businesses, um, but Computer World called the marketing of such privatized blockchains without a proper security model a sort of snake oil salesman proposition. Cryptographer David Chom first proposed a blockchain-like protocol in 1982. In his dissertation, Computer Systems Established, Maintained, and Trusted by mutually suspicious groups. Further work on a cryptographically secure chain of blocks was described in 1991 by Stuart Haber and W. Scott Stonetta. They wanted to implement a system wherein document time yes, wherein document timestamps could not be tampered with. In 1992, Haber, Stonetta, and Dave Bayer incorporated Merkle Tree to the design which improved the efficiency by allowing several document certificates to be collected in one block. The words block and chain were used separately in Satoshi Nakamoto's original paper but were eventually popularized as a single word blockchain, basically one word, by 2016. According to Accenture, an application of the diffusion of innovations theory suggests that blockchain attained a 13.5% adoption rate within financial services in 2016, therefore reaching the early adopters phase. Industry trade groups joined, the, joined excuse me, to create the Global Blockchain Forum in 2016, an initiative by the Chamber of Digital Commerce. So I think that's kind of what's interesting, just taking a pause 
and reflecting on how far the technology has come, you know, the idea of a blockchain has been proposed literally for decades. It's been a concept that's been sort of um, perhaps obscure to most, but certainly uh, a concept that's been explored. And it really wasn't until the technology became available for someone like Satoshi to come around and actually basically um, sort of begin the frameworks and implement them in a big way and sort of uh, opened up really what was possible using the blockchain. And for all intents and purposes, we are still in that early adopters phase, which what makes it interesting is those who are willing to sort of pay attention, learn the t new technology, and um, get involved in one way or another. You know, there's a big opportunity here for um, whether it be financial, whether it be for, again, digital art, whether it be for maybe new industries that are bound to appear as a result, those that are sort of starting to get into the game right now, I think we'll see um, big rewards one way or another in the future. So, I mean, the technology itself is obviously incredibly interesting, incredibly um, innovative in every sense of the word, but also the, the opportunities that it poses uh, for the short, medium, and long term are pretty spectacular. So let's see here, where else? Let's continue. We're going to continue on with the sort of blockchain. Um, I guess maybe I can touch briefly upon the structure, again, just to really make it clear. So again, a blockchain is a decentralized, distributed, and oftentimes public digital ledger consisting of records called blocks that is used to record transactions across many computers so that um, any involved block cannot be altered retroactively without the alteration of subsequent blocks. This allows the participants to verify and audit transactions independently and relatively inexpensively. A blockchain database is managed autonomously using a peer-to-peer -peer network um, and a distributed timestamp server. They are authenticated by mass collaboration, excuse me, powered by collective self-interest. Such a design facilitates robust workflow where participants' uncertainty regarding data security is marginal. Essentially, let's consider it. Well, let's start here. Logically, a blockchain can be seen as consisting of several layers. So you have the infrastructure, which is the hardware. You have the networking, which is node discovery, information, propagation, and verification. You have consensus, which is proof of work and proof of stake. You have data blocks, excuse me, data, which includes blocks and transactions, and applications. So smart contracts, decentralized applications, if applicable. So basically, this is almost as if having a ledger. You know, let's consider it a ledger of, you know, for example, most, most, which we obviously don't see as much anymore. But in the past, we had uh, checkbooks, and your checkbook theoretically should match uh, the ledger that was being recorded. So every transaction was recorded. Um, the idea of your remaining balance in your account, 
should be recorded. So basically, your checkbook gives you the entire history of, not the entire history, but really a snapshot of how your finances personally or for your business look like. And it just records every bit of information. The blockchain is basically the same concept, except number one, it's public. So the idea is that the public has access to view the transactions and verify that something happened. So for example, if I were to send, you know, 0.0001 of a uh, Bitcoin to uh, my friend, that transaction gets recorded on a public ledger. That public ledger is basically verified by multiple, many independent parties, basically, you know, very smart computers. And then it is essentially impossible. I mean, nothing is impossible, but let's say almost nearly impossible to alter or lie about that information because it is a framework. It is a system that um, once you alter one bit of information, it alters the rest. So basically, as the chain grows, as this blockchain grows, so too does its sort of uh, security and and its doubts. Sort of a, a very abstract concept until we sort of apply it towards more uh, concrete information or concrete examples, I should say. You know, again, blocks hold batches of valid transactions that are hashed and encoded into a Merkle tree. Each block includes the cryptographic hash of the prior block in the blockchain, linking the two. The linked blocks form a chain, and this process confirms the integrity of the previous block. So, let's see here. Some more technical data. I think overall we're getting the, the kind of um, general idea. I think it's briefly worth mentioning the concept again of decentralization, sort of what it is and how important it is to blockchain and how it works. So by storing data across its peer-to-peer -peer network, the blockchain eliminates a number of risks that come with data being held centrally. The decentralized blockchain may use ad hoc uh, message passing and distributed networking. So one risk of a lack of a decentralized is a so-called 51% attack, where a central entity can gain control of more than half of networks, of more than half of a network, excuse me, and can manipulate the specific blockchain record um, at will. So it allows for double spending, it allows for improper transaction recording, etc. Peer-to-peer blockchain networks lack centralized points of vulnerability uh, that computer um, hackers or crackers, right? I mean, uh, cryptographic hackers can exploit. Likewise, it has no central point of failure. So blockchain security methods include the use of a public key uh, cryptography, a public key, which is a long random looking string of numbers is an address on the blockchain. Um, value tokens sent across the network are recorded as belonging to that address. A private key is like a password that gives its owner um, access 
to their digital assets uh, or the means to otherwise interact with the various capabilities that blockchain now support. So every node in a decentralized system has a copy of the blockchain. Data quality is maintained by massive databases, um, replication, and basically computational trust. So no centralized or official copy exists, and no user is trusted more than any other. Transactions are broadcast to the network using software, um, and messages are delivered on a best effort basis. Again, I think it's it goes back to the idea where because we all have access to view the information because no one party has necessarily more authority, it's not as simple as saying, okay, you know, for example, if I have access to uh, the server, perhaps I can manipulate um, data that's being displayed because ultimately everything on that server now I have access to manipulate. It's not the case on a decentralized um, network. So that's part of what makes blockchain's technology so so interesting on multiple fronts. It's a lack of a centralized figure. So it's not like, you know, the um, it's not like your bank, for example, right, that centralizes their information and they control um, sort of the information coming in and out. And it's really up to them to make sure that no one else gains information. On the blockchain is a very different story. So, so let's see here. Let's touch on openness, excuse me, permissions for a bit. An, advanti an advantage to an open, permissionless, or public blockchain network is that guarding against bad actors is not required and no access control is needed. This means that applications can be added to the network without the approval or trust of others using the blockchain as a transport layer. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies currently secure their blockchain by requiring new entries to include a proof of work. To prolong the blockchain, Bitcoin uses Hashcash puzzles. While Hashcash was designed in 1997 by Adam Back, the original idea was proposed by Cynthia Dwork and Moni Nauer uh, in their 1992 paper uh, titled Pricing via Processing or Combating Junk Mail. That's a whole other topic of, of that. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our second topic, which is blockchain applications what is possible on the blockchain. Blockchain technology can be integrated into multiple areas. The primary use of blockchains is a distributed ledger for cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, where they also, um, well, there were also a few other operational products which had matured from proof of concept by late 2016. As of 2016, some businesses have been testing the technology and conducting low-level implementation to gauge blockchain's effects on organizational efficiency in their back office. 
In 2019, it was estimated that around $2.9 billion were invested in blockchain technology, which represents an 89% increase from the year prior. Additionally, the International Data Corp has estimated that corporate investment into blockchain technology will reach $12.4 billion by 2022. Furthermore, according to uh, Pricewater Coopers, Pricewater, I thought they were Pricewaterhouse. Yeah, it is Pricewaterhouse Coopers, uh, PwC, the second largest professional services network in the world. Blockchain technology has the potential to generate an annual business value of more than $3 trillion by 2030. Individual use of blockchain technology has also greatly increased since 2016. According to statistics, in 2020, there were more than 40 million blockchain wallets in 2020, in comparison to 10 million blockchain wallets in 2016. I think obviously, touching on this, and it was mentioned at the beginning of this topic, is the main application that we see for blockchain technology is essentially cryptocurrencies. Now, most cryptocurrencies use blockchain technology to record transactions. So for example, the Bitcoin network and Ethereum network are both based on blockchain. On May 8, 2018, Facebook confirmed that it would open a new blockchain group, which would be headed by David Marcus, who previously was in charge of Messenger. Facebook's planned cryptocurrency platform, Libra, now known as DM, was formally announced in June of 2019. The criminal enterprise Silk Road, which operated on Tor, utilized cryptocurrency for payments, some of which the U.S. federal government has seized through research um, on the blockchain and forfeiture. So again, certainly when it comes to cryptocurrencies, you have Bitcoin Network, Ethereum, you know, these are essentially, as of the time of the recording, the two largest cryptocurrencies, certainly Bitcoin by quite a long shot. Ethereum is probably still number two. I don't think any other ones are are even close right now to Ethereum. I might be wrong. Maybe, certainly not Dogecoin, but maybe, uh, I don't know, Ripple or something like that, maybe. <clears throat> but, um, anyway, so that, that's really one application. Um, a certain other application is what's called smart contracts. Blockchain-based smart contracts are proposed contracts that can be partially or fully executed or enforced without human interaction. One of the main objectives of a smart contract is automated escrow. Sorry, my notes here for this conference have just disappeared right in front of my eyes using a little tablet. A key feature of smart contracts is that they do not need a trusted third party, such as a trustee, to act as an intermediary between contracting entities. The blockchain network executes the contract on its own. This may reduce friction between entities while transferring value, 
and could subsequently open the door to a high level of transaction automation. An IMF staff discussion from 2018 reported that smart contracts based on blockchain technology might reduce moral hazards and optimize the use of contracts in general. But, quote, no viable smart contract system have yet emerged, end quote, due to the lack of widespread use of the legal status was unclear. Certainly a third application goes back to financial services. So according to, I think it's CNBC, many banks have expressed interest in implementing distributed ledgers for use in banking and are cooperating with companies creating private blockchains. And according to a September 2018 IBM study, this is occurring faster than expected. See, banks are interested in this technology because it has potential to speed up its back office settlement system. Banks such as UBS are opening new research labs dedicated to blockchain technology in order to explore how blockchain can be used in financial services to increase efficiency and reduce costs. Berenberg, a German bank, believes that blockchain is in, quote, overhyped technology, end quote, that has had a large number of proofs of concept, but still has major challenges and very few success stories. In December 2018, Bitwalla launched Europe's first regulated blockchain banking solution that enables users to manage both the their Bitcoin and Euro deposits in one place with the safety and convenience of a German bank account. This bank account is hosted by the Berlin bank Solaris Bank. Moduli was designed to deliver financial support to people living in areas uh, underserved by banks. Um, and uh, tokenization of stocks is also occurring, and some cryptocurrency exchanges are already offering so-called stock tokens. The blockchain has also given rise to initial coin offerings called ICOs, or I guess the acronym is ICOs, as well as a new category of digital asset called security token offerings, or STOs, also sometimes referred to as a digital security offering, a DSO. STO slash DSOs may be conducted privately or on a public regulated stock exchange and are used to tokenize traditional assets such as company uh, shares, as well as more innovative ones like intellectual property, real estate, art, or individual products. I mean, I think when it comes to financial services, this is an area where here at the boring blockchain conference we think it's probably what's going to be required for the mainstream to really adopt it is if we see more banks adopting the technology really I think once the first let's say multinational bank comes in and says a certain segment of their banking can be done basically on the blockchain with some level of um, use of the technology whether it be smart contracts or whether it be sort of a public ledger where um you know they're able to sort of i'm not sure you know there there are obviously these applications that ultimately need to be defined 
but truly wants the bank wants the bank excuse me um, I think is adopting this type of technology and users that aren't necessarily early adopters start to hear about this technology and implement it that'll probably be a sort tipping point so supply chain look I mean when it comes to blockchain um, there have been several different efforts to employ blockchains in supply chain management so for example precious commodities mining blockchain blockchain technology has been used for tracking the origins of gemstones and other precious commodities in 2016 the Wall Street Journal reported that the blockchain technology company Everledge Everledger excuse me was partnering with IBM's blockchain based tracking service to track the origin of diamonds to ensure that they were um, ethically mined um, food supply as well blockchain technology has been used to allow retailers and consumers to track the provenance of meat and other products uh, from their origins to store and restaurants as of 2018 Walmart and IBM were running a trial to use a blockchain based or blockchain backed system for supply chain monitoring for lettuce and spinach all nodes of the blockchain were administered by Walmart and were located on the IBM cloud one side of benefit is that the system could enable rapid tracking of contaminated produce for example so certainly again the, the technology of blockchain is not just cryptocurrency right it's um, it's supply chain management it, it can also be anti-counterfeiting right blockchain could be used in detecting counterfeits by associating unique identifiers to products documents and shipments and storing records associated to transactions that cannot be forged or altered it is however argued that blockchain technology needs to be implemented with technology that provide a strong binding between physical objects and blockchain systems but the point is that it very well could um, have its application in again certainly cryptocurrencies uh, banking financial services in the form of smart contracts um, certainly when it comes to anti-counterfeiting and um, supply chain management so again the technology itself that underlying base has several different potential applications I go back to it what I was saying in the beginning is the idea of blockchain it's it's not just a fad right it's not a phase of technology that's gonna maybe come and go I really believe and obviously all of us here at the boring blockchain conference believe that the technology is so strong and has so many potential real-world applications that there likely will be a tipping point at some point and maybe we're approaching that tipping point sooner than maybe others have predicted if only because when you have large sums of money being invested by multinational uh, banks and corporations they have now a vested interest in certainly certain um, cryptocurrencies for example that they're investing in to increase in value 
And really, how are they going to increase in value? It's probably argued that the use of the technology will have to be more widely adopted and will have to be used in one way or another. And the more it gets used, the more, for example, cryptocurrencies are being exchanged and traded, the more blockchain technology in general becomes seen as a viable option for the public. So let's talk quickly, topic number three, NFTs. What are they? What is their relationship to the blockchain, uh, etc.? So an NFT is short for a non-fungible token, and it is a unit of data stored on a digital ledger called a blockchain that certifies a digital asset to be unique and therefore not interchangeable. NFTs can be used to represent items such as photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files. Access to any copy of the original file, however, is not restricted to the buyer of the NFT. While copies of these digital items are available to anyone to obtain, NFTs are tracked on blockchains to provide the owner with a proof of ownership that is separate from copyright. The NFT market value tripled in 2020. That is tripled, not not 30% larger, not no, it is what I just mentioned. The NFT market tripled in value in 2020, reaching more than $250 million. During the first quarter of 2021, NFT sales have exceeded two billion with a B dollars. Again, an NFT is a unit of data data stored on uh, a digital ledger, blockchain, which can be sold and traded. The NFT can be associated again with a digital or physical asset. So basically, NFTs function like cryptographic tokens, but unlike cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, NFTs are not mutually interchangeable, so they are not fungible. While all Bitcoins are equal, each NFT may represent a different underlying asset uh, and thus have a different value, right? The value of a Bitcoin today is the same as the value of a Bitcoin. Um, If I buy Bitcoin right now at this moment, a person buying a share of Bitcoin um, at this very moment is getting the same asset, which is a certain number of Bitcoin, you know, whatever, 0.00001 of Bitcoin. So again, it is a fungible token. NFTs basically represent ownership and access to very specific pieces of art or work, music, whatever the case may be. The cryptographic transaction uh, process ensures the authentication of each digital file by providing a digital signature that is used to track NFT ownership. So again, we have certain uses when it comes to NFTs. The unique identity and ownership of an NFT is verifiable via the blockchain ledger. Ownership of the NFT is often associated with a license to use the underlying digital asset, but generally does not confer copyright to the buyer. So, again, digital art, as I was mentioning briefly uh, a little while ago, 
digital art was an early use case for NFTs because of the ability for blockchain technology to ensure the unique signature and ownership of NFTs. The digital artwork entitled Every Days, The First 5,000 Days by artist Mike Winkleman, also known as Beeple, sold for $69.3 million in 2021. The purchase resulted in the third highest auction price achieved for a living artist after Jeff Koons and David Hockney. Another Beeple uh, piece titled Crossroad, consisting of a 10-second video showing the animated uh, pedestrians walking past a figure of the former president of the U.S., sold for $6.6 million at Nifty Gateway, an online cryptocurrency marketplace. Um, so it's not just a digital art, it could also be for collectibles. So NFTs can represent digital collectibles like physical card collections, however, in a completely digital format. In February of 2021, a LeBron James slam dunk NFT card on the NBA Top Shop sold for $208,000. NFTs also have application in video games. They can be used to represent in-game assets, such as digital plots of land, which are controlled by the user instead of the game developer. So, you know, music, same thing, right? Blockchain and the technology enabling the network um, have given the opportunity for musicians to basically tokenize and publish their work as NFTs. This has extended the list of options for musicians and artists to be able to monetize and profit from their music. Um, I think I think it was maybe Jay Z. I think. I don't remember the exact figures. I remember the the EDM group uh, Three Lao, Elao. I don't know how to pronounce their name. They sold a collection of thirty three NFTs for a total of eleven point seven million dollars uh, to commemorate the three year anniversary of um, their Ultraviolet album. Um, so it, it just has a bunch of applications. Anything artistic in nature i mean film it also applies to film so for example in may 2018 20th century fox partnered with um adam tickets and released limited edition deadpool 2 digital posters to promote the film uh, they were available from open cio and the gft exchange right so even just to produce and promote um movie posters i'm sure in the future there might be for example indie films from popular you know smaller uh, directors who say look you know this film had a budget of x amount of dollars and we're looking to release uh basically you know two thousand copies at this price during an auction or maybe it's first come first serve you know whoever gets whoever you know spends 50 bucks in a two-week period on our film basically gets a license to our film so on and so forth. So again, as, as we've sort of started with the conference, it was sort of this idea of blockchain, what the technology entails, what is it, you know, what are some of its applications, what are NFTs, how are they different, and 
it kind of leads us to our last portion of or the last topic of this conference, which is our gift to you, which is an announcement. So here at the Boring Blockchain Conference, we have partnered with Sleep and Relax ASMR, a, let's call it relatively popular ASMR podcast, as well as Xtingles, a marketplace for ASMR specific collectibles and art pieces. So Xtingles is the premier marketplace for ASMR tings, right? A ting being basically a collectible, which you can collect, sell, and trade, right? So welcome to the future of ASMR, or certainly one part of it. Sometime soon, and this is a very serious announcement, this is not a joke, Sleep and Relax ASMR will release two art pieces exclusively available on Xtingles for auction or for purchase. Um, certainly you may be wondering, where can I see these pieces? Where could I consider taking a look if I'm interested in auctioning or buying them? The art pieces will be available for auction or purchase on Xtingles platform. And each one of these collectibles are called ASMR Tings. So basically it's like any marketplace, right? You can sort of interact with it and buy it. And I think the launch time uh, should be sometime in the beginning of September, which there should be an update um, from the podcast itself. So, you know, maybe you might be wondering why buy one of these art pieces. And certainly there are a couple of interesting reasons. First and foremost, you get to purchase a piece of exclusive art in a digital format. And really, you would be a pioneer in the blockchain and NFT space, right? A true pioneer with an opportunity to get your hands on exclusive um, collectibles and art. Secondly, you would support the artists, you know, artists, both sleep and relax ASMR and the visual artist that sort of combine it to create this interesting art piece. Um, you need to be able to support those artists. And I guess maybe I should have uh, clarified that basically the art pieces integrate a visual and an audio component. So essentially, uh, think of it as a perfectly loopable, maybe 30 second, one minute clip that tells a certain story. Um, and again, there's both an interesting visual element to it as well as an audio element to it. And all the audio clips are produced and made by sleep and relax ASMR and the visuals with a very talented 3D artist which at this point uh, we're not releasing the name of the artist simply because they haven't given us permission yet to do so but certainly if they like to we can do that as well so again this is a very serious opportunity you know whether it be for the sake of collecting ASMR specific con er, uh, collectibles or art whether it be to support Sleep and Relax ASMR, whether it be to basically just get your hands on something that is new, new technology, kind of be one of the first pioneers in a certain space, you know, there's a lot to be interested about. So again, if you have um, any interest, you can check out X Tingles Marketplace. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with um, Sleep and Relax ASMR's podcast in order to um, ask questions about the NFTs or anything else, you can reach them at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. I thank you very much for visiting the Boring Blockchain Conference uh, this year. I hope to see you next year. 
Again, any questions, you know where to direct them. Thanks again for um, visiting this year. Hopefully next year we can do it all over again. Take care.